Making our way through the day that's usually grayed out on your calendar, Leap Day, February 29th. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, the Saskatchewan Pork Development Board puts hog production third on the significant agricultural sector contributions in our province. It's behind the grains and oilseed sector and beef production. So hog, pork is very important for our, our province. Hundreds of people employed in Saskatchewan's pork industry, whether that's in production, processing, uh, animal health, nutrition, transport, you name it. So if there's a disease that's causing major losses in that in- industry, of course, there's a lot of work that goes into trying to limit that because of the complications that it causes for this industry, which is so important for the economy of our province. So that's where my guest comes in today. Dr. Brian Mark is the Dean of the Faculty of Science at the University of Manitoba. He's the co-lead on the new research into the porcine reproductive and respiratory syndrome virus. It's a virus that can cause severe disease in pigs, also can help human vaccines as well. They're hoping that the information they're finding will lead to a vaccine that will make a big difference. Here to tell us more about it now is Dr. Brian Mark. Doctor, thanks so much for being here. Oh, you're welcome, Evan. My pleasure. So of all the things you could be working on, how did this fall into the scope of your project? You know, that's a really great question because um, for many years, my collaboration in this area with uh, my colleagues at the Leiden University Medical Center in the Netherlands has been focused on coronaviruses, actually. And But interestingly, under the surface, uh, many viruses have a lot in common. And it turns out that the um, PRSV virus it has a lot of commonality with coronaviruses. And so we've been working on developing vaccine strategies uh, against coronaviruses. And we decided to apply some of those strategies to the PRSV virus because of its, of a, it has a similar sort of um, approach to the way it replicates that's similar to coronaviruses. Um, and uh, so we have demonstrated already, Marjolein Kickert, my collaborator at the University of Earth in, in the Netherlands, demonstrated recently using the approach that we take works quite well against MERS coronavirus, which is uh, a virus that's related to SARS coronavirus, which we're all familiar with, um, and it provides protective immunity um, in animal models. And so we uh, have been working on this porcine virus, but it turns out to have some tricks in its um, mechanisms that we, we were surprised by, which led to this recent publication. Um, and much of it was driven by the structural biology that's, that's provided to help guide the studies that's generated from the synchrotron in Saskatoon. Dr. Brian Mark is our guest, the Dean of the Faculty of Science at the University of Manitoba. So you're working with a team in the Netherlands, you're working on coronavirus virus vaccines, and then you say, you know what, there's some similarities uh, when it comes to disease in pigs. How about we shift and start doing that? And they're like, yep, 100% on board. Is this uh, Was that a hard thing to convince them that you're going to shift and start the focus? Or was it so closely related that it just seemed like the natural thing to do? Yeah, it is so closely related that it is. Uh, it, 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 it makes total sense to be able to apply that technology to another virus of significant agricultural importance. Uh, PRSV, um, as you know, in Manitoba and Saskatchewan, the hog industry is quite a significant economic factor um, in both provinces. 
And across Canada, and this is data all the way back from 2010, um, the losses in Canada alone are $130 million a year to the industry. In, um, in the United States, up to $650 million in, in losses from this virus in the, in the hog industry. And it's a global problem. So um, there's a lot of effort in China as well to try to address this uh, virus by coming up with new vaccines because the uh, pork industry in China is also massively affected, as it is in Europe. So there's a lot of global interest in trying to figure out how to develop new vaccines against PRSV. There are some vaccines that exist, uh, commercial vaccines, but they tend to be unpredictable in their efficacy. Um, and so there's a lot of room to improve um, what's, what's currently available uh, for producers. Chatting this morning with Dr. Brian Mark, the Dean of the Faculty of Science at the University of Manitoba. So, I mean, you're... you're numbers that you threw out 130 million dollars in losses as a result of the virus and that yeah. and that goes back quite some time so this predates uh the coronavirus yeah so this this virus was uh has been known for for many years i think it was first detected all the way back into the 1980s uh there are different there are different strains of the virus that circulate around in different parts of the world um and uh, it causes reproductive failure in breeding animals. It also causes severe respiratory disease in growing pigs and piglets. Uh, you know, some some uh, highly pathogenic versions of this virus can cause mortality rates of up to 60% in piglets. And so it is a really uh, serious problem. But I have to say, this virus is very tricky to work with. It's it's um, The approach that we applied seems to work well for coronaviruses, but... Uh, we found some interesting new features in the biology of, of the PRSV virus, which people weren't aware of before, um, which has added yet more information to the community to help us direct ourselves towards uh, improved vaccines for this particular virus. Is it safe to say that this vaccine, uh, once you once you get there, is it something that will help you outside of uh, pigs and hogs? Is this something that could be translated into maybe other animals and even humans? Yes, because the the mechanism that we're focusing on is shared by coronaviruses, um, by PRSV. It's also shared by a number of additional viruses, even viruses that infect plants. Uh, so this is a new area we're also investigating is, is using the approach to protect plants from certain viral diseases. And uh, because it is such a commonly used mechanism by viruses, it has broader application. Um, and interestingly, it, it appears to be accommodated, the changes that we make by most of these viruses, but then PRSV is a tricky one. Um, and so this paper that was published recently uh, will be of great interest to the industry and to academics as to understand the, the uniqueness of uh, PRSV virus and how to best approach future vaccine development. Dr. Brian have, Mark, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, I have to say a lot of the push in this area for our own research, my collaborations with people in Netherlands, has been driven by the uh, information that we're able to gain on these viruses through the use of, of the uh, CLS synchrotron. It's been a fantastic resource for us as researchers across the country. 
It's like you're reading my notes because that's exactly my next question is uh, part of, of what's got us excited about this. I mean, you said it yourself, the hog industry is big. It's a big part of the agriculture sector for Saskatchewan, for Manitoba, for the prairies generally, but also excited because you're able to use the Canadian light source, the synchrotron in this work. And I, and I always preface a question like this with, you know, remember, you're not talking to scientists, but help us understand how the synchrotron is helping you with this research. Yeah, so what it does for us is it allows us to take a look at the three-dimensional structural components that comprise the virus. Um, it's, like, it's like if you know what something looks like, right, you know how it functions and how it works. It's um, because viruses are so tiny, there's a lot of technology, like a synchrotron, for example, and x-ray crystallography and all these things that need to be applied in order to take a look at them at, the, at a resolution where you can actually see what they look like. Once you can see them in three dimensions and you can turn them around and look at them, it allows you to make rational decisions on how to modify them to, in this case, weaken the virus so that it can be used as a vaccine so that when you vaccinate with it, the virus is so weakened that it actually doesn't cause illness, but it does allow the immune system to see it and generate an immune response against it. And so the strategies we were using were all based on the, the ability to visualize and see what the virus looks like or components of it, and then make edits at the molecular level using that information to weaken it in very strategic ways. Dr. Brian Mark is our guest this morning. He's a co-lead on some new research being done into porcine reproductive and respiratory syndrome virus, basically severe disease that pigs can be afflicted with. So what are next steps? When do we expect that we might be at the point where we can actually roll this out? Well, so this paper has been published now for well, just a few weeks, um, and it'll be it'll be quickly read and adopted by the global, um, you know, virology community that's interested in developing vaccines against uh, PRSV, which includes both academic researchers and industry. Um, there's a lot of large industry uh, uh, that have a lot of interest in veterinary vaccines. And so, you know, I can't say exactly when we'll have a breakthrough that leads to a, a radically approved vaccine, but the way science works, is often in iterative steps like this, where an interesting new important discovery is made and applied, and it helps define the trajectory in which people work in order to arrive at a vaccine that um, is more reliable and, and, and effective. Good stuff. Good stuff. Dr. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. We uh, will follow your work closely, and uh, we'll be watching for the rest of the journey to this, uh, this completion. Great. Thanks. Thank you uh, for the invitation. Dr. Brian Mark, Dean of the Faculty of Science at the University of Manitoba, and uh, he and his team doing some incredible work on this respiratory syndrome virus that pigs are afflicted with. And, of course, that's a big part of the agriculture economy in our province. And as a result, this could be groundbreaking. And, of course, the fact they're using the synchrotron, Canadian light source, in this work that they're doing uh, adds an extra homegrown component to the work. You're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. A good afternoon. I'm Evan Bray chatting a little bit earlier about the fact that it was 40 years ago today that Pierre Trudeau made the announcement after a long walk in the snowstorm the night before. On February 29th, he made the announcement that 
that was going to be the end of his time as prime minister. I, I went to judo, my boy. And, uh, very good judo lesson because uh, nobody was there because of the storm. So we had to teach it all to ourselves. And I went home, discussed with the boys, put them to bed, walked till midnight in the storm. Interesting, eh? And then I went home and took a sauna for even an hour and a half. It was all clear. I was going to leave. But I went to sleep, just in case I changed my mind overnight. And I didn't. I woke up. It was great. Use the old cliche, this is the first day of the rest of my life. Here we are. So he walked in the storm till midnight. Then he took a sauna for an hour and a half. That was a late night for the prime minister. And, of course, the next day, which was leap day, so leap year day, the 29th of February, 1984, was when Pierre Trudeau announced that he was stepping down as the prime minister. So people have been pontificating as to whether or not Justin would do the same thing. I don't think, well, I mean, clearly the night passed last night. There was no snowstorm, by the way, in Ottawa last night, so he didn't have the ability to do that. But at the end of the day, I don't think Justin is stepping down. Even though I'm sure there's a ton of people in his ear, in the party, in the Liberal Party, saying it's time. I don't think he, if if he doesn't step down now in the midst of this whole Arrive Can thing, like, if he doesn't step down now, when is he going to step down? By the way, yesterday, you probably uh, followed along with this, the opposition parties basically teamed up to pass a motion calling on the Prime Minister to collect and recoup within 100 days all of the funds paid to Arrive Can contractors and subcontractors that did the work. The motion passed. It's non-binding, by the way, but the motion passed. It also calls on the federal government to table in the House by March 18th a report that details all direct and associated costs related to Arrive Can. The Prime Minister's reaction, he says, while I agree that what has transpired with the app was unacceptable, the Conservatives are politicizing the issue and what the relevant authorities are already doing to look into it. So he's basically saying, the RCMP are looking into it. I don't plan on taking any further action. By the way, how about this story? Speaking of ArriveCan, David Yo, the CEO of Dalian Enterprises, which received $7.9 million for its work on the ArriveCan app, he also works for the Department of National Defense. He's a a federal government employee involved in a part of the federal government that made decisions around ArriveCan and runs a a business that got paid $7.9 million. Now, the federal government confirms, yes, he's one of our employees, but he has been suspended. Well, I would hope so. I would hope it's going to be more than just suspended. And maybe that's where we could start in recouping $7.9 million from David Yo. It's a mess. Well, tomorrow morning, as long as he's not in a jail cell, Minister of Sask Energy Dustin Duncan will join us first thing tomorrow morning. They have decided not to remit the carbon tax that they didn't charge on home heating, so we'll talk a little bit about that. We've got Pastor Robert Pierce from the Fairhaven District to talk a little bit more about the emergency shelter and the challenges there. Of course, bugs and hugs every Friday at 10 o'clock. It's going to be a great morning. I hope you'll join us starting at 8.30 right here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.